Hello. And welcome to the Wild Cornwall podcast. A podcast by Cornwall Wildlife Trust. With me, Tom. And me, Lucy. We started this series to mark the Trust's 60th anniversary, which we're celebrating throughout this year. Cornwall Wildlife Trust was founded in 1962 and is one of 46 wildlife trusts working across the UK. Our vision is to create a Cornwall where nature can thrive. We simply want to create wilder places, wilder people and a wilder future. Today's episode will feature an interview with Tom Shelley, Cornwall Wildlife Trust's Conservation Manager, and it's all about beavers. And to introduce this episode, Lucy and I have come to the Trust's largest nature reserve, Hellman Tor, and it's here we're hoping to purchase more land for nature recovery. So let's just talk for a minute about a few of the things you might be able to spot here. So one thing that we're trying to spot while we're here, and we've had a few near misses we think possibilities we might, yeah, yeah we think we might have seen some and that's the marsh fritillary butterfly and it's one of europe's most threatened butterflies and they thrive naturally in grazed grassland so by introducing native and specialist cattle that will really aid their survival and their nature recovery here and the other thing that i would love to see but we haven't had any luck today are willow tits now these are one of britain's rarest birds and their numbers have been declining hugely. In fact, there are now only 3,400 breeding pairs in Britain, but they do well in wet woodland habitats, so the in- introduction of beavers to Helmantor would really benefit them. They're known as the eco-engineers due to their amazingly positive impact on the surrounding ecosystems. Right, I think it's definitely time we hear more about these eco-engineers. We're now going to play you an interview Tom did with another Tom at Cornwall Wildlife Trust, Tom Shelley, the conservation manager. Tom, thanks so much for meeting us to talk to the Wild Cornwall podcast. And uh, we're here to talk about beavers today. Can you tell us a bit about where we're sitting? Hi there, yes. Um, so my name's Tom Shelley, I'm Conservation Manager at Cornwall Wildlife Trust and we're down at the Cornwall Beaver Project, which is an amazing partnership project with Woodland Valley Farm, the University of Exeter and the Beaver Trust. And we're sat right next to the main beaver pond, not far away from the Beaver Lodge. So even though it's the middle of the day, I will keep my voice down slightly because we know the beavers are in there. Excellent. I'm hoping to see them later when we, when we go for a walk. Can you tell us a little bit more about your job with Cornwall Wildlife Trust? Yes, so I'm conservation manager, which means I'm really lucky I get to sort of work on all of our land-based conservation projects, even some of those that are on our nature reserves, but it's different to the nature reserves team. We call it the living landscapes, so partnership projects where we're working with lots of partners across Cornwall doing some amazing things from badger vaccination to beaver reintroduction, and yes, we're at the beaver project today. And do you have a favourite part of your job? Is there something you enjoy most? Oh, that's a really tricky one. It's very varied. You know, I'm working with all different types of partners, farmers, stakeholders, the Cornwall Council. I've got some amazing things, but I must say beavers are probably the top of that list because the things they do for free for nature and the wildlife that comes along with them is so exciting. And I'm an ecologist, so I want to see that wildlife. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that later and, and seeing it as well. 
Can I ask you though, what, when you were five years old, did you imagine you'd be doing this or did you have a different dream back then? It's a really good question. So there's photos of me, you know, um, with caterpillars on my fingers and chasing bumblebees around with jam jars and stuff like that. So I think I always had it in me, but I didn't think I'd be as lucky to be involved in some of these amazing projects as I am. I, I've worked across and volunteered across various projects and I've been to some amazing places across the world as well. But actually to live in Cornwall and work on this reintroduction project with this amazing animal is literally gold dust conservation work so I'm very very lucky to be here. Let's talk about beavers then when did you first ever see one? It was here mm -hmm. definitely at the Cornwall Beaver Project so I uh, was very lucky to come along um, as the project was sort of in its sort of first year where we were getting people to come along and I did an amazing beaver walk here. Um, I'd been up to Scotland and seen the dams at the Scottish Beaver Trial and I'd also been very lucky to be uh, invited to a wedding and I went to Canada and I saw some amazing beaver dams there too. But actually the animal itself, because the Cornwall Beaver Project is such a great place to see them, yeah, I saw them here. And uh, that first time I saw them I was amazed and I still am every time I come. Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So am I right in thinking that they were once native to Britain? They were, they were. We've got fossil records of them from pretty much every part of um, Britain. So. Uh, yes, we think they went extinct in Cornwall probably 600 to 800 years ago, um, which is a shame, but they're a very obvious animal, as you'll see when you come to the Cornwall Beaver Project, the lodges they create and the dams they create mean that, yes, they're very easily hunted, and that's what led to their demise, unfortunately. They're a very interesting species in the fact they've got a fantastic fur coat, which is brilliant for making hats with and coats, but also they can be used for meat. But one of the most interesting things about beavers is they've got this castorium gland, which is a way of them scent marking but that's also interesting for two reasons it is used for scent making by humans but also it's got salicylic acid in it which is basically derived from willow and um, this main tree that they eat the main tree species and that is actually a medieval form of paracetamol aspirin so right. a painkiller so they knew that and as a result very attractive animal to uh, to hunt and unfortunately very easy to find in cornwall so yeah we lost them quite a long time ago but we've got them back now great and um we're, we're starting our walk at, what, 7.30 this evening? Yes. So are they nocturnal? They are nocturnal. I mean, there's a word which is often used, which is crespecular, which basically means they're most active at dusk and dawn. But actually, we find that, yeah, they're pretty much active all the time, overnight in Cornwall, um, even in the winter. We have a very temperate climate here, very rarely gets frost. The pond itself never freezes over, so the beavers are very active throughout the year. But we do seem to see them a lot more during the daylight hours, sort of, you know, as the light kind of continues through the summer around sort of eight o'clock at night. Um, so you get broad daylight views of beavers, which is absolutely amazing because you don't need a torch. But in the later months, you can still use a torch because their eyes are not that sensitive to light. So as a result, you can see them and they aren't impacted by it, which means that people that do come uh, later on in the year still get to see the beavers. And actually, it's quite atmospheric at night when it has gone dark and you see them swimming around the ponds. So thinking about their eyes, and you, you, when you see a, a, an image of a beaver swimming, tell us about that, because I, I, am I right, they're one of the only creatures that have all of their ears, eyes and nose above the water? Tell that's me about correct. that. That's correct, yeah, so they've got this sort of lateral line on their head, which basically means that their nose, their eye and their ear are exposed to um, the, you know, the fresh air when they're swimming, so they can use those senses. Their sense of smell is fantastic. Uh, their eyes aren't, eyes, aren't, eyes aren't that good, as I mentioned, but um, their ears are also very good, and they'll hear predators coming. 
but yeah, their sense of smell certainly is their strongest sense. And you can see that when they're swimming around with their heads out of the water, just checking you out, but they know we're not a threat and we get some great views. So, t- so tell me, why, why reintroduce them? What's, what's that all about? What are the benefits of doing that? They have many, many benefits, beavers. Um, obviously, the Wildlife Trust are involved because we're really interested in the wildlife that booms as a result of them, flourishes, because basically beavers bring water to the landscape and water brings life. And you get the base of the food chain coming back and that feeds everything further up that food chain. I see many more bats here, many more fish here, many more birds here because of the beavers. But there's lots of human benefits too. You may have heard that they're fantastic for flooding. So because of the dams that you create further upstream, they hold water back and slow it down, which is brilliant for flood alleviation. Um, They're also fantastic because of the mud that they create in their ponds that's sequestering carbon. So something we're really looking at across the sort of public money for public goods sector at the moment. How can we pay people that own land to capture carbon because of the climate crisis that we're in? And beavers help with that. So it sounds like they, they are really, really valuable. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about this project here? When did it all start? You know, we've been, this is five years anniversary, but when did it begin? How did it, how did all that go? Really good question. So this was basically as a result of Chris Jones, the farmer, thinking about flooding down in Laddock. There was two um, flooding events within a month in 2012. And so as a result of that, Chris thought, what can I do on my land to help with the storage of water in the catchment? So he started investigating and he wanted to keep it as natural as possible. He didn't want concrete all over his farm and he heard about natural flood management measures. Um, Started investigating and basically got some advice and thought that beavers could be part of that solution. So started talking to the Wildlife Trust and we helped him with that. And we joined up with the University of Exeter They put in some amazing hydrology monitoring equipment in 2015. So we had two years of pre-beaver data while we were getting the project ready and funded before we released the beavers to show what the water was doing before we put the beavers here. And then once we put the beavers in, we could monitor what the beavers did to that water, which really helps with that information, that research, which is now peer-reviewed and well-respected and proves that beavers can store water very effectively in a catchment. And, and what about the beavers themselves? Who, you know, do they have names? Did they, who, who came here first? <laughs> really good question. Yeah, so we had a male and a female beaver released. Um, we were hoping they would couple up and breed, and we were so, so lucky. In that first year, they started building a lodge that I can see right now where they sat on the island in the middle of the pond, and they bred. And we had kits that following spring, and we were so lucky. It was on spring watch because we thought they would, um, based on the behaviour that we had earlier on in the spring and then we got them and we actually got the clip on spring watch that first year so such a success for the project their names is a good one so yes we did put it out to the public as part of the crowdfund we were very very fortunate we got a crowdfund going for the fencing for this project and as a result of that the public contributed and we got our target and it was match funded by the Heritage Lottery Fund as well which gave us that additional capital we needed to make the project a success and we bought two beavers with that and um, yeah brilliant we kind of put out a sort of thank you and name a beaver competition and we did get the names um, for the beavers one being willow and one being chewy willow and chewy so will will we be able to see willow and chewy i hope so yeah Yeah, the the male um chewy is a big beaver and he's obviously yeah as a result of being here and feeding for those five years really sort of done well with the uh, vegetation around here so he's quite obvious 
Um, we've had numerous kits since, so we're in the sort of third year of uh, mating now, uh, and uh, and sort of generations of beavers. So we think we might have about ten here. Uh, and so as a result of that, there's all shapes and sizes basically. The, the females, um, generally quite obvious, she's got a bit more of a pale colour to her um, and an ear tag notch from where she was in, captive, um, in captivity before she was released here, when she was captive um, uh, bred. And uh, yeah, we've basically got um, kits that can be sort of, they can be sort of adult size now, um, but some of them are generally smaller. So it's quite nice on an evening to get that size comparison for the public. Yeah. And... Um I, let's talk a little bit about the beaver walks and you know how many people come and and how could you know if someone's listening to this and wants to do one what, what how would they book that up brilliant question yeah so there's numerous ways of doing we're often advertising it on our sort of um, facebook page and twitter and things like that but you can just hit our website we've got an amazing events page on the Cornwall wildlife trust website and it's there plain and simple Cornwall beaver project walks and you can go on there choose your date throughout the summer and we've now got two a week we uh, run one on a wednesday and a thursday night so you can book up and uh, we have about 20 people come along each week which is fantastic a good small selection of people so not too many people down here you get a bit of space to yourself so you can really feel like you're in the wilderness that is the beaver project and sort of get to see the animals but also listen and learn hear the amazing sounds that we're hearing right now but also uh, yeah get to see the beavers and how how likely are you to see one is it yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question again. I mean, basically, we've had a 100% success record this year, <laughs> which, you know, you, you can't always hold on to. Um, we do them now sort of April to September. Um, so it's a, it's a great time to see them this time of year where we are now near the summer solstice. It's ideal. As I mentioned, it doesn't get dark till sort of 10, 10, 30, and they come out at 8. So a really good chance of seeing them. And obviously, we've got more than we did when we released them in 2017. So that gives you more of a chance of seeing them too. Yeah. And um, you mentioned earlier the, the lodge that we're sitting here looking. Yeah. Can you describe that? What what do they build? What do they yeah, live in? Yeah, it's a really good question. So, you know, this time of year when the vegetation's grown up a bit, you've got a bit of bramble around it, got some amazing purple foxgloves which are growing on top of it at the moment, which is just like top of a tower. It looks amazing. Mm. But yeah, it's generally a big old pile of sticks. Um, the way they build dams is they do an underwater burrow. Um, they come through underwater and go up to the surface of the bank if that's on an island great um, they like that because they get the protection from the water around them then create a hole in the surface of the bank and then basically once they've broken ground start to burrow around that but at the same time pile sticks on top of it and more mud from the sides and underneath eventually it becomes this chamber and can sometimes be two chambers one feeding and one maternity so they breed in one and feed in another and actually cache vegetation in the feeding um, chamber in colder parts of Europe, because it's a European species, remember? Mm. It's not a Canadian species, it's a European species, which is amazing to kind of think that we've got a European species of beaver. And then, yeah, it grows and grows over the years. We basically see them getting bigger each year. They pile more sticks on top, and it's amazing how big they are now. And we've got two here at the Beaver Project that are very obvious. We've got the one on the island, but we've also got one on the bank, which you can see a bit further upstream here. And that one we actually nicknamed the bachelor pad because basically right. in the first year when the beavers did breed, the female kicked the male out when she'd had the kits and she was nursing those in the main lodge and put the uh, male out. So the male decided to make his own lodge. So he came across and he made his own lodge. But that lodge itself has actually been used in subsequent years for breeding. And we were very lucky one year to have the kits in there. And again, very lucky to have winter watch here that time and then spring watch. And we were recording them in that lodge and we could hear them sort of purring 
uh, sort of sub-adults and then the kits in the spring and uh, I got some really good sort of sound clips of them which I was very proud of myself and sort of sent it on to Springwatch and they actually played it as a mystery sound in Springwatch. We were very, very lucky, like, what's this noise? And it was a beaver in the beaver Fantastic. Watch. Fantastic. I think it would be great if you could show me some of the, the bits and pieces yeah, of the, let's the work they've done. Let's, let's, go. Uh, let's go and have a look. Okay, so tell me what we're looking at here. Okay, so this is a classic beaver sculpture here. I call them sculptures because they come in all shapes and sizes, but basically we've got a tree which has been gnawed at by a beaver and that tree has fallen but actually got caught up with the rest of the canopy. So it's amazing to see what the beavers do to actually coppice those trees. And I say coppice rather than fell because they don't kill the tree. Mm -hmm. They take the tree down from about a foot to two feet high and that root and that sort of um, bulb of the tree is still in the ground and as a result regenerates. And you can already see in this one we're looking at here, there's lots of shoots coming out from around the base of that tree. As a result of what they do, they also expose this fresh wood and that is really good for things like fungi. And we've had some amazing fungi growing on some of these beaver stumps. One's called turkey tail. I'm not sure if you've heard about that. It no. looks just like the tail of a turkey. It's right. fantastic. But yeah, what they'll do now with this is they'll get further up it and they'll chew it from other angles and they'll basically find ways to get it down. They like to eat the bark, so as again as a sculpture, when they eat the bark, they leave amazing iconic teeth marks in there, and some of them are more obvious than others. And they are characteristic of beavers, and some of them are really stunning, actually. You can quite happily put them on your mantelpiece. Um, so yeah, here we go. This is a beaver coppiced tree that's uh, basically looking fantastic, and I'm sure they'll be back. And how long will it take them to do something like that? Good question. So obviously different trees, different sizes. Um, so they can be like us, they can get right on that job and work on it for a couple of nights and take it down, or they can do like we do sometimes with our DIY, start a job, go, oh, I don't like that job, I'll come back to that in a few weeks' time. And you've got a camera to-do list, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you put a camera trap up, you try and get them taken down that tree and they literally won't touch it for three, sometimes six months, and you're like, ah! Um, so it's quite frustrating, but yeah, sometimes they really can go for it and do it in a few nights. Cool, let's walk on. And what's this... Um here that we're looking at. Okay, so this is a beaver trap. So we've got basically in front of us here a giant looking mouse trap. And it is that, it's humane, completely humane. So if you imagine a, a humane mouse trap, but on a gargantuan scale because they are our largest rodent in Europe. Um, and what it does, it has two um, sort of flat doors at each end and it's got a counterbalance scale in the middle of it that we put on some beaver baits. And that's basically anything sweets like apples and carrots and they go for it and they can smell that from a mile away. They'll come in, take those vegetables or that fruit and as a result, hit that counterbalance scale and those two flat doors will come down and hold them in there. And there's a mesh side so you can see if the beaver's in there. And then the best job then is basically doing a bit of beaver wrangling. We've got a net here, which is perfectly designed to take a beaver. And then you can do the uh, animal husbandry work on, on them. To remember here we have got a reintroduction project so these animals were reintroduced here so we have to check their sex their size their health as part of that screening procedure they're also microchipped so any new kits that we do capture do get microchipped and then do get moved on so we know that we've got healthy beavers being moved around the countryside there you go yeah great so we're now walking across these these are newly installed boardwalks aren't they they are so this is basically a asset we've got here for accessibility now we had some really generous funding from the g7 Leg legacy project 
and now we've got a boardwalk which runs pretty much from the top to the bottom or from the bottom to the top of the side depending on which gate you come in and it allows people to basically come along here with their wheelchairs and accessible mob mob mobility scooters and come and see what everyone can see it's an amazing thing and you can get right up close and personal and get some amazing views of the beavers um, so we're really lucky to have it and yeah it's uh, actually really good for me because I often get really muddy going through some of these beaver puddles and sometimes you kick up so much sedimentation you can't actually see some of the plants and animals that are left behind like the fish by the beavers but now we're above it we can walk above it and actually look down and see some of that amazing vegetation that is growing because of the water that the beavers have brought here. And what's this big pile of wood that uh, is just right in front of us is that beaver work? So that um, that there is that bachelor pad that bankside lodge i mentioned uh, right. um, yeah so that is now a fully functioning lodge as i mentioned they have bred in that um a couple of years and so we've got an amazing view of that the footpath used to go right next to it um but it got very very boggy as you can see so this boardwalk here gives us that ability to have a really good view of it um, and that shows you the perspective and the size of these structures that they do create um, on the bank and uh, yeah that one there is borrowed to do that large willow tree you can just see on the bankside and we've got the perfect underwater escape hatch and that basically means if any predators come along like if we're in wilder parts of Europe where we've still got wolves and bears and wolverines and things like that and try to burrow in and get those beaver kits or even the large beavers themselves the beavers have got a perfect underwater escape hatch to swim off underwater and away from that predator. Great pad. mentioned the, the bird life we can hear all around us earlier Tom. What, uh, what species of birds are do well here because of the, the activity of the beavers? Yeah that's a really good question. So we've actually got 10 new species of birds recorded here that weren't recorded here before. In the last five years? In the last five years. It right. really shows how yeah. water can bring that life and beavers are good for biodiversity and that includes things like water rail but also overwintering birds like Sand, uh, sandpipers and shovelers which come here and use the ponds when they're flying through in the winter. Really really exciting but most exciting for me I think is the willow tit which basically is a very very rare bird in Cornwall at the moment and uh, we've seen them come back to this site um, because of the standing deadwood um, that's created basically by the beavers in their wetlands and willow tits really love those standing deadwood stumps which they put their nests in. But we also got to think about um, the abundance here and when I talk to the public about new species that often gets people very excited but for me it's the abundance of the new sort of numbers of birds we're getting here so the ones that were always here were maybe one pair two pairs but now we're getting ten pairs and an example of that is the spotted flycatcher mm -hmm. which is a migrant species that comes in from um, sub-saharan Africa and flies up here a little brown bird with a mottled belly not that impressive but actually very very cool when you see them fly catching they were here breeding before, maybe one pair, um, and we have them in pairs across Cornwall. But one year, a couple of years ago, we saw at least 10 altogether feeding. And that abundance is so exciting because they breed here. We've got amazing national parks in Africa where they go to winter. But if you want to see an increase in that species, we need habitats like the Beaver Project to allow that species to grow and that abundance to increase. And so it shows how these pockets of wetland across Cornwall and across Europe are so important for that species. Must have been amazing to see that Absolutely. over the course of the past five years. Yeah, it's so exciting. So I've, as we've been walking, Tom, I've seen a few dragonflies. My ID skills on the mic aren't great, but 
tell me about them and uh, how the BBs help there. We've been really lucky here at Cornwall Beaver Project. We've had some fantastic recorders come along and tell us what species we've got because we have got a lot here. Mm. And actually, in the last count, we had 17 species of dragonflies and damselflies, which is an incredible number. Yeah. And seeing that diversity here is great. Um, so for me, again, you know, it's amazing to think that those different niches of habitats that are created by this mosaic of habitat, this complex sort of habitat that the beavers are creating, this beaver chaos we're starting to call it, um, is fantastic for sort of dragonflies and damselflies. But one that I'm really interested in is the golden ring dragonfly, because there's been some fantastic studies done on them in Europe when they've reintroduced beavers to show that they've actually increased in number. And we've had them here, we've caught them here, and we seem to be getting more of them here. And uh, yeah, it shows that basically, you know, a species that was once thought to be really thriving in fast-flowing streams is actually thriving in some of the sort of more dynamic, slow-flowing habitats of the beaver project because potentially that's where they were used to be caught because that's all the habitats that are left. But here we've got the amazing diversity of habitat, so we can find them in often sort of places where they might not have been thought to exist before. Mm. What about bats? Again, it's just a really good story. We've been very lucky. We've had some fantastic help um, from uh, the Cornwall Bat Group, and uh, we've basically seen a fantastic number of bats recorded here. I mean, we knew the bats were here. Um, they were chomping at the insects and biting us from that first day of the beaver walks that we carried out in 2017. But we certainly feel like we're seeing more now, and uh, there's been 11 species recorded. Um, here using the site and we've put out some amazing detectors which basically sit there as a static monitoring device record overnight and then my friend, friend and colleague Chloe has been helping me identify those species and she's really picked up on some amazing uh, sort of diversity we've got here so I'm really pleased that we can say we've got 11 species of bats including some really rare bats like Barbastel which is a really really unusual and interesting bat and also the more iconic ones like Greater Horseshoe Bat which a lot of people know of but wouldn't necessarily thought would be flying over these beaver ponds at the Cornwall Beaver Project. So yeah, a big chunky bat like that flying around. So it's amazing to be able to tell the public that when they're here and they can potentially see them flying past them. And I expect, certainly from my point of view, one of the things that lots of people might be saying is they come here to learn about beavers and, and here we are talking about all sorts of different wildlife that they're impacting. That's an amazing thing. I mean, we've just talked about dragonflies and bats. Are there other species that I haven't asked about that <laughs> impacted too. Absolutely, absolutely. So basically, yeah, we've had three new species of mammal um, recorded here, including polecats and water shrew. Water shrew is a really rare little uh, shrew these days. They live in the aquatic habitats that the beavers create, so that's great to get them. We've also had things like harvest mice around the periphery, um, which is amazing too. So yeah, mammals at the top of the food chain, those predators are relying on all these insects, these fish, um, and everything else that they feed on to thrive and so as a result they thrive at the same time and it is great to tell the people about it we've been so lucky so far we've had over 4,000 people come and see the Cornwall Beaver Project and uh, we're hoping a lot more come but it's a great place to come and learn about the species and yes see what's happening now and oh. just before our very eyes a kingfisher has just flown in in broad sunshine and showed us just how fantastic <laughs> that is and uh, honestly, that wasn't a remote control kingfisher. That is just coming in just to say, <laughs> welcome to the Cornwall Beaver Project. I've wow, never seen one for so long. Was. How good is Amazing. that? Amazing. How close is that? Incredible really blue colour, isn't it? Blue yeah. That sunshine on his back. Wow. Just amazing. 
So I want to to hear all about the dams. Is there a dam you can can show me to look at properly and tell me about that somewhere? Absolutely, yes. So we've got lots of dams here now. Um, we're storing nearly 2,000 cubic metres of additional water here. We've had six ponds created and over eight dams created as a result of these beavers. Bear in mind, there was only two originally, and they're not so much bigger than a, you know, an average-sized dog. They're quite a chunky animal. They're completely vegetarian, remember? They don't eat fish. Mm. But, yeah, they, uh, they work hard and very hard and for free. And so, yeah, the dams are incredible. They build dams, basically, to create deep water through their habitat. They do it to avoid predators. So in deeper water um, courses, in rivers, downstream, they won't build dams. Two reasons for that, obviously, high flows of water will brush those dams out, but also they can swim off underwater away from the predators. So here at the top of the headwaters at the Cornwall Beaver Project, upstream from Laddock, is a perfect place to see those dams. And we've got an amazing one in front of us here, Tom. Yeah. This is probably my favorite dam because it creates this open habitat behind it where you've got a fantastic shallow pool of water and you can see the insects topping, the fish jumping, and you can also see that marshland behind it with all those amazing wildflowers coming through. Yeah. Um, this one as well is exciting for me because basically it started off as a pile of mud. Often dams do start off as a pile of mud. People think they're just sticks, but actually the organic material is really important within dams because that binds that dam, that binds those sticks and together. And things like willow, as I mentioned, can regenerate and put a willow stump or a willow stick into some mud and it will generate into a tree and that root system then holds the dam together which makes it really really complex and strong but also that organic material is a perfect place for seeds to settle beavers sometimes move some of the seeds there themselves and as a result becomes a living structure and this one in front of us you've got a vast array of species from that amazing marsh fish of just there beautiful purple flowers to the hemlock water drop warts which is yeah. an amazing umbilifer and beavers eat that they're a very poisonous plant but beavers really? eat that yeah. and they eat all sorts of plants yeah as i mentioned they're completely vegetarian we guesstimate they eat the same sort of number of plants as a waterfowl you know they're a giant waterfowl basically and waterfowls have been found out through research to eat over 250 species so i imagine beavers are the same i've seen them eating rushes i've seen them eating ferns <laughs> but as i mentioned they eat the bark off trees pretty woody material too so they eat throughout throughout the year different types of things what's flourishing at that time of the year and the bark allows them to feed through the winter too because obviously there's always going to be bark on the tree so amazing that we've got these dams here so am i right then this is what we're looking at here a layer of mud at the bottom and then they they bring the wood in on top of that absolutely like that absolutely yeah so they'll come up behind they'll find a low point they'll take down some of the trees around it and basically then pile up mud and then come in and start adding additional sticks on top of that and eventually it gets bigger and bigger you'll see there's a few low points on this dam too where the water spills over in high flows right, we call yeah, those yeah. beaver slides that's often where the beavers move across to but also when they push the water across the dam it goes laterally across the water course they bring up the ground level of the water the table the water table up pushes that water around and so as a result the water flows around the dam then comes down creates another tributary which is complex in its own right exposes gravels which is fish habitat but also allows a fish pass so beavers can get around themselves but also it allows fish to get upstream and into these beaver pools where all this habitat is and where all this food is that insect life as i mentioned so if you came here as a snapshot of time you would be amazed to see um you know a beaver dam just created wow it's a barrier to fish but actually Give it a few months, you'll see what happens with beavers moving around in this landscape. And in 
the winter when the fish are moving because you've got high flows of water, those fish can get past these beaver dams. And we're seeing the fish numbers here increase. And the size of them as well has been monitored and it's doubled on approximately. So we're getting more fish and bigger fish here because there's more habitat yeah. and there's more food. It's amazing. They're quite remarkable. <laughs> oh, you've seen another kingfisher? Yeah, yeah, amazing. Right, so we're coming, there's a little stream here then, Tom. What's, what's going on here? Basically, they create a fish pass around the dam by just pushing the water around the dam because they raise the level of that water, but the dam and the water still wants to get downstream. Gravity pulls it around the dam and downstream. So it will find a way, water finds a way. And so basically, as a result of that, you can hear now this amazing little channel that's been pushed around the dam that's close by. It's come through some amazing habitat. Because of that water level rising, the water level rising, we've got a lot more moisture in that earth. And as a result, a lot more aquatic vegetation is generating because of it. But at the same time, we've got this fish path. And if you look closely, you can see lots of gravels that have been exposed. Oh yeah. And so as a result of that, Basically, the sediment has been washed away by the flow of the water through this new channel, and those gravels are great for fish laying eggs. And also, a lot interesting for different types of invertebrates. So, I've done some surveys here. You know, it hadn't been here a few weeks, and I basically used a net and found aquatic shrimps in here. Not far away from here, I've mentioned the golden ring dragonfly and those pools that are a bit further upstream. So, this was living within a few weeks of it being here, and that's because water brings life and the beavers bring water, so it's all connected. Yeah, yeah. What's, what's up here if we were to go up that way? Okay, so let's walk around and I'll show you this dam because it's a real interesting one. Okay. This one is right down the bottom of the site now, not far away from the site fence. What we did here is we put in a leaf catcher Mm -hmm. to stop the leaves that roll down the stream in the winter from hitting the fence and making the fence too heavy because obviously we want this fence to stay intact to keep the beavers in. The beavers helped us with that. They saw that leaf catcher in the watercourse and we found that there are structures within watercourses, we're now calling them beaver analogues. You can place a structure in the watercourse. The beaver sees that as a really good, easy win, a starting point to make a dam. And that's exactly what happened here. And now we've got this amazing structure. And as I mentioned, it can seem like a big terrace. You know, it looks like a rice paddy behind it. And you've got a big drop to the watercourse where they're standing, which is this stream, which used to be here and used to be the only sort of habitat living here. But now we've got that difference between that and that aquatic vegetation over there. The fish pasture can still hear coming around yep. that dam, but also the dam itself. It's a living structure, but it's porous. So things like lampreys and eels can still crawl up through that. And as a result of it being porous, it doesn't completely stop the water. So this existing watercourse that is where they're standing now still flows. And something to think about. We're not just good about storing water. We're also great in periods of drought. So storing water is great for flooding because it slows the flow in high peaks of river flow. And also in drought, and also in summer here, so it's getting very, very dry on site. You can see how wet it still is because they hold so much more water at the top of the headwaters, which is really important when we've got drought periods as the climate changes. Yeah. And all of this wood here, they, they moved that here? They did. They moved it here all by themselves. We haven't helped them at all. As I mentioned, within that, 
there's a couple of posts and a post across yeah. that used to have a mesh on it that the beavers um, used. <laughs> that was the analog for the, uh, uh, the, the, the that was the leaf catcher. Yeah. Everything that's around them now, um, all that vegetation, all those heavy sticks they bought from the site, and you see the workings of them everywhere. So there are ways to think about beavers in terms of mitigation, and we consider the fact that this habitat is really valuable, but also. The water they create and the water they hold back is really valuable. Mm. We also need to think about ways to manage if beavers are on site and that adjacent land which they can be impacted. If you look over to your right there, you can see that tree has got a mesh around it. That is to protect that tree from beavers. So that is metal, but there are easy ways of doing it. I'll take you up to a tree over here, Tom, and I'll show you one that we've done a lot more cost effective and it's a way of keeping beavers from taking down trees if they have a value. But here, we've got a tree. You can hear me scratching on the sand there. This has been painted with sand and PVA glue. It was done three years ago, and basically, beavers like us, when we're on the beach, don't like getting sand in your teeth when they're feeding. And it's very, very cheap to do, and the tree is growing. You can see how it's cracked as the bark has expanded. It's completely fine, the tree's growing strong, but the beavers haven't touched it. And we're surrounded by beaver stumps here, so you see that that does work. Mm. That will need to be reapplied compared to a mesh nest, uh, a net, but you can obviously see that's easily done and a uh, very cost-effective way of doing quite a lot of trees. So if you have an orchard, for instance, or you have tea plantation or something like that, then we can basically protect beavers and um, protect from beavers and keep those economically important trees in the landscape and we totally understand that and beavers need to work alongside humans as humans have to coexist with this species again. So where there are people who are concerned about reintroduction you'd be able to reassure them really? Absolutely there's a fantastic array of beaver management evidence and books available now there's consultants and specialists that can help and we're hoping with these wild releases we're going to be seeing across England um, in the new next few years the process involved in that, the management framework involved in that, does include um, the need for that beaver officer to be there in case that beaver causes a problem. So have someone to go and help with that immediately and to keep, hopefully keep the beavers in the landscape but also mitigate for the problems or issues or potentially benefits that might not be seen. And mm. we can educate to say, actually, that beaver might have come in and you might be worried about it, Give it a few years, look at this example over here of this farm, which is the same type of landscape and the same type of thing, and it will do this. Would you be interested in that? And the main thing we're also hoping to see is support from the government through the new environmental land management schemes, where, like we've got here at Woodland Valley Farm, we've got a buffer around the watercourse, so we've got space to have beavers here. We need to see more of that, and farmers should be rewarded for giving up some of their farm for that. Those payments are really important, because if a part farmer can get given an ELMS payment, an environmental land management scheme payment for having beavers on their land, fantastic. That means that beavers can be free to roam, do their amazing work for people downstream and upstream, but at the same time, we will uh, hopefully see the farmers rewarded for their efforts too. And Chris Jones, the farmer here, should certainly be rewarded because what we're seeing here on this private farm, remember it's not a wildlife trust nature reserve, this is a private farm. We're very lucky to be invited here today to do this podcast we've seen those benefits and mm. it was a brave step five years ago and what a brave step it was what an amazing project and uh, really really pleased to be part of it so thinking about um, reintroductions and future reintroductions and you mentioned nature reserves can you 
tell us at all about the plans for Helmand Tour or the hopes for Helmand Tour and be beavery introductions there? I certainly can. So I mentioned this is a private farm here. The Wildlife Trust has nearly 60 nature reserves across the county of Cornwall and some of them are fantastic wetlands but they are in an unfavourable conservation status when they are reviewed in a scientific way. And so we need to manage those. And at the moment they're being done me mechanically by people, but actually beavers are a natural way of doing that. And we've got the opportunity at Helmand Tor with big wetlands around that area, including Redmore and Breamy Common, to reintroduce beavers into existing habitat where there are big ponds and lots of capacity for beavers to come in and do that handiwork, clear some of the scrub, open up the habitats which create flight corridors for marsh fritillaries and things like that and it also creates complexity for all the other things which we're seeing cropping up here. People didn't necessarily understand how many different species are going to come back to Woodland Valley Farm here and at the same time we probably don't understand that for Redmore so we're really excited to see what beavers are going to bring to that new habitat uh, as a result of their work and uh, yeah we're hoping to get them as a wild population in the future so Keep, keep posted. We've got an amazing appeal at the moment out there to buy a bit of land nearby. Very important part of that puzzle to open up that habitat and start to bring new species back to that part of Cornwall. It's a very exciting time to be to be part of Cornwall Wildlife Trust and, and an exciting time for, for nature conservation. Really. Yeah. It is. I mean, we've seen a big decline in species and we have to be completely open and honest about the fact that the state of Cornwall's nature is not good. Mm. But focusing on the positives and finding ways to help and things like beavers which certainly brings a positive spin to my life when I come down here makes me think that's the positive news I need and there are ways to do this and we just need that support from government and we need that support from people that want to be involved in beaver projects to get more out there doing their fine handiwork. Well Tom thank you so much for showing me around and I'm looking forward to the walk later on. Brilliant, can't wait. If you want to find out about beaver walks, you can check out the page on our website and book one up. The link is in the show notes. And don't forget to consider donating to our urgent land purchase appeal to help Cornwall Wildlife Trust deliver a major land recovery project. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.